chance to dream. A good omens, Potvick, written by Sodium aside and read by Jarp. The problem was that although angels weren't on average, ever, very imaginative, they were very much predisposed to repetition and routine, and had, literally, godly muscle memory, which they tended to use in place of anything resembling a brain or critical thinking skills. Unfortunately for Anthony J. Crowley, he had decided to fling his heart and scaly soul at the feet of the singular angel who had retained all of these predilections for practice makes perfect and was willing to learn from example. The example being himself, Anthony J. Crowley. So Crowley, a terrifying and wicked demon, retired, had inadvertently taught one, number one, bastard angel to use the power of love for evil. Son of a bitch. All this to say that Crowley was being thwarted in his quest to have a nap by the fact that his angel was sweetly encouraging him to nap and doing everything in his angelic ability to facilitate the nap. And so Crowley was struggling with every ounce of his considerable willpower to stay awake despite the odds because now his pride was at stake. He was a serpentine emblem of dark forces and was not going to have his hair lovingly smoothed and carded to soothe him into slumber. Far too embarrassing. He was the architect of original sin and as such he was not going to drift off to the gentle murmurs of affection from his one true love. He was the goddamn downfall of humanity. He would simply not permit himself to be snuggled into restful oblivion. He was not going to be petted to sleep. Crowley had started off so well, too, in his quest to make a nuisance of himself. He had snuck up successfully on his prey, silently enough that Aziraphale hadn't even twitched an eyelash from where he was reading some brick-thick tome that didn't deserve his attention. He had even squeaked in a very satisfying high timbre at Crowley sliding his narrow self into the infinitesimal gap between armchair arm and angel in armchair because Crowley was very evil and bored, and not at all because he had been undercuddled today, and that was so very much an angel job. They divided household tasks like any other couple, of course, and thinking that word in reference to the two of them in no way made Crowley's chest ache in the very best way. Aziraphale's jobs included being a bastard, being cute, being adorable, cooking things while being cute, eating things while being adorable, being a good passenger, being warm and soft all the time, and cuddling as situations required. Crowley's jobs included driving, grocery shopping, organizing the pantry and refrigerator in a sensible system, 
his and sometimes driving them to restaurants because none of their groceries looked good somehow. Also managing their indoor and outdoor botanical fiefdom, but that was more of a hobby. It was all quite equitable, which was important for continued and harmonious domestic cohabitation. Crowley had been forced to listen to several hours of self-help seminars while on a particularly harrowing temptation at a convention in the late 70s and hadn't managed to scrape off the metaphysical self-righteous mom until the millennium rolled over as a hard reset. Bizarrely enough, he had actually received some benefit from it, but in the form of extremely good advice from a waitress at the insipid dinner catering at that event, and as a direct result, had cultivated several passive income streams, started apologizing to Aziraphale instead of simply waiting out the statue of limitations on their arguments, and quit smoking. He had led a particularly nasty curse on the waitress's ex-husband as thanks, and so far had succeeded in not telling the angel about any of it. Crowley's head popped up with a snort as he valiantly attempted to keep his eyes open. He hadn't fallen asleep. He had absolutely not dozed off at all, not even momentarily. Being cuddled up in an angel's lap amidst overstuffed cushions and a lap quilt was obviously a nefarious trap of some kind. The angel was getting wily. Ziraphale's voice was low and amused. What are you doing, strange demon creature? Crowley grumbled and angled his head a bit more firmly. Manicured fingernails scratched just right, and he molded bonelessly against Aziraphale's chest. The scratches continued and were joined by another hand coming up to rub slow circles on his back. Mm, sleepy, he complained. Then sleep. I will be lighter to hold you and guard your rest. Demon. Crowley slurred against an absurdly soft cardigan that smelled like vanilla tea and angelic ozone. Being patted like a cat isn't... isn't... sundignified, what it is. Darling, sweetheart, my very cherished helpmate and my heart's wish, may I ask a question? Go for it. Love questions me. Are you actually concerned about doing anything in a manner befitting a demon? Crowley blinked very slowly. His eyelids were heavy, and Aziraphale was very warm where he was being held securely on a plush and loving lap. Oh, right. He mumbled. I don't care. Well, you do have a great deal on your mind, I'm sure, Aziraphi replied, as crisp as fresh sheets. Wanna take a nap? Crowley told him helpfully. 
nap with you. And back with a prissy pillow spray that smells like snickerdoodles. And I want you to keep petting me. And I'll stay awake as long as I can to enjoy it. He felt Aziraphale's chest vibrate under his cheek and let his eyes close fully while Aziraphale huffed through gathering up his various dangling limbs and lifting him up in inhumanly strong arms to carry him to their bedroom. Sometimes Crowley still forgot that they were safe and that no one was coming for them. And Aziraphale was more than willing to guard him for the rest of eternity. It was a heaven of a way to guarantee a restful sleep. He would be fine, no matter what heaven or hell threw at him ever, because he was being blasted with six megatons of angelic love, TM. Except no substitute at any given moment. As it turned out, much to the surprise of literally everyone, the gospel had written out the greatest of these is love in an entirely literal sense. It had been nothing like Adam and Eve being alone with no other options, wallpapered over with a they-were-made-for-each-other trope. It wasn't in the same galaxy as Gabriel and Beelzebub with their simplistic infatuation that had no place in the world as it existed and no interest in making it compatible. Their whole orbit around each other had been the actual epitome of informed consent. They knew the risks. They knew their options with all of the knowledge and experience that led up to something so very beautiful. It had felt so bloody satisfying not only to have so thoroughly shocked above and below, and the Metatron that ours, but to have literal overwhelming firepower as confirmation that no one had ever loved another person as long and as thoroughly as they did. Practice made perfect, after all. The End